All right, we are uh, in John 21, 15 to 17, uh, and we will finish John within the next two weeks. Uh, and I know some of you are glad to hear that, but uh, I think it's uh, one of the bedrock theological uh, gospels uh, in the Bible, uh, and it's recommended that everybody have a chance to really study this. So 21, verses 21, uh, 15 to 17. Uh, and this is where Jesus is going to restore Peter uh, after P Peter denied Jesus three times. Um, and so uh, a very poignant lesson uh, that speaks about the issue of moral failure, moral failure and how God and Christ uh, resurrect us and lift us back up after moral failure. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John 21, verse 15. Uh, we'll start with, uh, let's see, 15. When they had finished eating, and you remember Jesus had made them breakfast. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. I'm not going to focus on that last verse, but I'm going to focus on the others. And so here's the point of this. Uh, Peter had denied Jesus three times uh, in very dramatic style. And so we can imagine just how bad Peter felt. Uh, and when we sin, and the lesson here is, is to understand exactly how the devil uh, treats us. When we sin in such ways, it is a tactic of the devil to argue that we have forfeited our chance for a successful and happy Christian life. I'm sure there's not a person here uh, who at some point in your life has, has fallen, done something that you're not proud of, and then when you reflect on it, you think, that's it, I'm done. God could never use me again. And that's Satan that does that to you. Uh, and it is an untrue statement. You're, you falling, your moral failure is not going to end your relationship with Christ. And you're going to see it here in this lesson, how God goes after those that have morally fallen. Uh, because the one thing that Jesus always knew, Jesus knew that Peter loved him. Uh, he loved him. He cared for him. Uh, it was that Peter was weak. Uh, and so Jesus now is going to restore Peter, a public restoration. Uh, and he's going to do it publicly because most likely the disciples, the other disciples fi figured he's finished. He's done. Who could ever use this guy again? How would Jesus have used this guy again when... When he, uh, when he did that. Now, to understand the story of Peter's restoration, we need to understand something about the fall of Peter. Um, and it started in the upper room, uh, and, and I was at the upper room. Uh, obviously, it's not the exact room where it was when Jesus was there, but it was on the exact site, uh, the upper room, and Jesus gave his new command. And let's take a look at that. That's in John 13. John 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. 
As I have loved you, so you must love one another. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> love one another. And so that became the overarching command. Love one another. <coughs> Excuse me. And so Jesus spoke there about his coming death and the fact that the disciples would not be able to follow him uh, into death. Peter responds to this by saying, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Now let's take a look at that. Uh, and you see kind of the, uh, in many ways, the arrogance and pride of Peter to make him think that even though Jesus said he's going to die, that he's, Peter is willing to go and die for him. Uh, this is John 13, beginning with verse uh, 37. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And look how Jesus responds, because Jesus sees us. He knows our heart. He knows where we're going. Uh, and Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Uh, and you know that's exactly what happened. You will disown me three times. Um, and each of the Gospels tell us, uh, each of the Gospels tell us that Peter denied the Lord three times uh, outside of the area where, Peter, where Jesus was on trial in the courtyard of the high priest. Uh, first time he, was, he said, I do not know the man. The second time, I do not know what you are talking about. And the third time, he even utters a blasphemy and says, I am not his disciple. All right? So this was, this was three very definite, precise, profound denials. Uh, uh, and so now Jesus is beginning to restore him. And so the first thing we notice in, in Jesus' questions to Peter is the name by which he addressed him. And that's in John 21, verse 15. Look at, look at that. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Meaning the other disciples. Do you truly love me? Uh, because that's what you said. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is referring to Peter's old name, Simon, which I told you last week was like jellyfish. It's also another commentator called it a pebble. Okay? A pebble. Now remember, Jesus renamed him Rock. He was renamed Rock. Well, the old name was Pebble or Jellyfish. And so now he's going back to him as he restores him and is reminding him of where this all began. Peter, Mr. Pebble, right? Mr. Pebble, all right? Mr. Pebble, do you love me more than these? It was Peter's old name. <clears throat> and so Jesus was saying, remember, my son, that I renamed you. Remember where you were. Remember, remember what this, what this uh, gospel is all about. And so Jesus goes back to the old name to remind Peter of his weaknesses. Meaning what? Remember, you can't do this in your own will. All right? You can only do it through me. You, you're, your old way is weak. You're weak and you're incapable of this. Don't become arrogant uh, and raise yourself up pridefully because when you do that, you're going to fall. And that's a lesson for all of us. None of us can stand here and say, oh, I, would ne I am not me. I would never do that. Listen, we don't know the, the lengths and extent that, that Satan can go to make us fall. All right? Let's understand that. But Jesus knows. 
Jesus knows. Uh, and that's why I love that verse in Philippians. It says, I can do all things through him. I can do all things through him. And, and that, you know, uh, you hear athletes say that a lot. But you know what? It's not about athletic endeavors or competitions. It's about the day-to-day walking with Jesus and, and going through the difficulties of Jesus. And you know what it's like. Uh, in, in this world, all the things that assail you and the difficulties that come down upon you, and you, you can now understand that it's not you. You can't answer it. You don't have the ability within yourself. We're all pebbles, all right? We're all pebbles. But it's only when Jesus restores us and renames us and gives us uh, the direction of our lives that things change. And so the second thing to note here. Uh, is the word for love that Jesus uses this. Now, you can't tell this when you read it in English because you read the English translations and it's love. That's three times. But in, in the Greek, if you read the original uh, translations in Greek, you would note that the word that Jesus used here when he said, do you love me, was agape, A-G-A-P-E, a very important word. Agape is divine love, all right? Uh, The word most commonly used for human love is phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O. But for divine love, for a deep, profound love that has no limitations, it is agape. And so Jesus uses the word here uh, for for Peter, uh, uh, and it says agape. Uh, And so it describes human love. The best way I can explain the differential between agape and phileo is uh, I saw one theologian used it as a percentage discussion. If agape love is 100% love, phileo love is about 60%. How's that? And that's human love. That's when we say, I love you. You say, I love you to your wife or your kids. And, and generally what it means, I love you as long as you love me back. Okay? There are limits. I love you. I love you so much. I will love you forever. But if you stop loving me tomorrow, I'm probably not going to love you back. You know, and that's basically the, the human extent of love. Whereas agape love is, I will love you forever no matter what. I am there for you. I will give my life for you. It's right, what Jesus did on the cross. I will give my life for you to every possible extent. And so you see this, this commentary between Jesus and Peter, and it's very, very profound. And so uh, he, effectively, Jesus is asking Peter if he loves him with the highest kind of love. You told me you were going to follow me into death. Now I want to know, do you, do you love me with agape love? Do you love me with this highest kind of love? And Peter says, yes, yes, Lord, uh, you know that I love you, but he says, I love you, phileo love you. I love you, phileo love you. In other words, I love you 60%. I'm a human being. That's all I can do. I know you said agape. I can't do agape. I can do phileo. Uh, And so what does this mean? It means Peter has been beaten down. What happened to the guy that says, I will follow you into death. I will be there. It doesn't matter where everybody else will be. I will never abandon. All of a sudden, that guy is now saying, I I love you phileo love, 60% love. Uh, He's not saying that he doesn't love Jesus. He's not saying that at all. He's simply saying that his heart is open to respond and that Jesus must know that he loves him with the best kind of love that he, a sinful human being, is capable of, and that is the 60% kind of love. 
Now, isn't it amazing that you would, you would read these verses and you wouldn't understand this unless you went back and understood Greek. And lucky we have, we have great theologians that give us that insight. So then again, Jesus asked the same question again, three times. Again, Jesus now uses again the higher degree of love. Uh, and Peter again responds with the 60 degree love. All right? Um, a third time, Jesus says it again. Uh, but this time, Jesus changes the word from agape to phileo. In other words, the third time, Jesus says, okay, Peter, I get it. But can you love me with a 60% kind of love? Uh, and, and here, Peter is so really beaten down uh, and subdued uh, before Jesus Christ. He says uh, he has no confidence now in his own ability even to see into his own heart. So he replies, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, meaning he's now calling on the omniscience of Jesus Christ himself to look into my heart. You know my heart. You know what kind of love I have for you, Lord. Yes, I love you, but you, lo you know my heart. And, and pay effectively what Jesus does here uh, is he goes on to give the command, which is, which is as much to say, all right, Peter, all right, I can work with that 60% love. I can work with that because I believe I'm able to work that 60% up to 100%. That's how Jesus responds. What a great, what a great uh, set of verses here. Uh, uh, and, and how meaningful it is to us as human beings who, who fall every day. And so the, the last thing we need to note about the Lord's question to Peter is it's threefold repetition. Three times he says it. Why? Because Jesus is publicly restoring Peter in the eyes of the other disciples. They know that he fell. They know that he, he, he abandoned Jesus. And now he is effectively reminding Peter, you did it three times, I'm restoring you three times. I want your brothers here to see that I'm restoring you three times. And so here's the point uh, uh, as we understand this. We take joy in God's omniscience that God knows our heart. Because first, God knows the worst and the best about us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. Uh, and you see this here uh, in this passage. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 5 as we understand what's going on here. Romans 5, <clears throat> verse 8. God, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now let's understand how, how significant this is. Christ didn't die for you when you became a Christian. Christ died for you while you were a sinner, outside of the will of God, in open, notorious revolt. He still died for you. He still had your, your name in, in his hand. Uh, and so he knows the best about us. He knows the worst about us. And so even though the disciples must have been startled by the defection of Peter, because they, I'm sure they looked at Peter as a leader. He was the oldest disciple. And they must have been stunned when they saw what he did. But Jesus knew better. Jesus understood. Uh, and then the final part of this uh, exchange between the Lord uh, and Peter is the Lord's gracious command to feed my sheep. This is very meaningful to me uh, because my father would preach this, this verse uh, when, whenever people would be called into ministry. Feed my sheep. Uh, and and it's, it's very meaningful to me as you understand this because Jesus says it three times. 
Uh, first th thing he says is feed my lambs. Feed my lambs, meaning what? Take care of those, nurture those, shepherd those who are new to the faith, who are just coming into the faith, who are just being called into the gospel, those people who are most at risk. Feed my lambs, take care of my lambs. Now, what I love about this passage, uh, which is so different than what we would do today if we were running uh, a seminary for ministers, what would we do? Well, wait. I have a series of books here uh, I want you to study. I have, I have a 50-point a uh, theology map I want to give you. I want you to understand precisely, 1 to 50, all the things that I expect you to do in bringing my lambs and my sheep. Jesus doesn't say that. These are the people that are going to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't say it. What does he say? Feed my lambs. Feed them. Take care of them. Nurture them. Love them. And isn't that the role that God has called each of us here? Now, don't think that this is a role just for the disciples. This is a role for you. God is calling you to feed the lambs of the faith. Meaning what? When you see people and you know people, whether they're in your family or not, that are just coming to the Lord, you need to nurture them, surround them with love, protect them, be with them, guide them. That's your call. Don't think this is just for the disciples. It's not just for the disciples. It's for the entire church. Feed my lambs. Love them. Show them kindness. Show them love. Embrace them in the love of Jesus Christ. And isn't that the failure today in a lot of churches? Isn't that the failure that we do? We really love people? Do we really show the love of Christ? When we see people, have we really done that? And just examine your own heart, really. I ask you, really, have you shown the love of Christ to people that need to see it? Uh, and I have to say that in my past, I probably have not. And I've asked God to forgive me, but I'm mindful of it now. I'm mindful of it now. And so feed my lambs. Then go on, and then he says in the subsequent two times, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. Um, and, and, and so this is so profound. And so let's understand what this means. Uh, you know, Jesus could have said to Peter, I've forgiven you, Peter. I want you to know something. I've forgiven you, but I'll never again put you in a position of responsibility. I can't do that. You failed me. I can't put you in a position. Jesus doesn't say that. It's as if the incident didn't happen. Jesus goes on and says, I love you, Peter. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. You're responsible here to bring these people to faith, to let them know how much I love you. And, and he doesn't mention at all the failure. This is our Lord. This is our Lord. And so I want, you to, I want to lift up your spirits today uh, in, in terms of the fact that many of us have fallen, some of us quite significantly, but God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows that you love Jesus, even though you may have fallen. And he doesn't hold it against you. That we come back and we say, Lord, forgive me. And he does forgive me. And he will put you back in these possessions. And so this, this lesson is a shepherding call to Peter. Uh, and, and as Jesus uses the old name first, pebble, uh, rather than the rock, the passage does not establish that Peter has more authority than the other shepherds of the flock. Listen carefully what I said. This does not establish that Peter has more authority than the other shepherds of the flock. 
Peter is an under-shepherd. You are under-shepherd. There is one shepherd. You understand? His name is Jesus. That's the shepherd. And now each of us walk as under-shepherds within the flock. Each of us walk. Uh, and so let's understand this. Uh, and, and we see this in the gospel that you go on after this. Yes, Peter's gift was evangelism. Peter would speak to thousands, and thousands would come to Christ. But look at the power of, of uh, Paul. Paul would write more than half of the New Testament, all right? More than half of the New Testament. Effectively, the theology of Christianity that we have today has basically been explicated mostly by Paul. How did that happen? It happened because Jesus poured it into him when he was in solitary relationship with Jesus out in the Saudi Arabian desert. No theology 101, no seminary, merely being one-on-one -on -one with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how he used Paul, and Paul became the 12th apostle. Uh, and John, John had another gift, all right? Equally important, John's gift was the restoration of the gospel. As you know, as we've studied this, that, that errors came into the church shortly after Jesus died. And so John, somewhere around the year 90, this is now about 60 years after Jesus died on the cross, John writes the Gospel of John, then he writes Revelation, then he writes the epistles, all why? All to restore the church to its original bedrock foundational principle, Jesus Christ alone. Jesus plus nothing else is salvation. Uh, and so you understand this, uh, that, that how, how significant this is. Now, when we look at Peter, when we study Peter, we can see Peter at his best and at his worst, and it's important to see it because we're not mocking Peter. He's basically a paradigm for who we are. Look at Matthew chapter 16, all right? <clears throat> Verse 15, and Jesus is asking the disciples, who do they say the Son of Man is? Uh, and then he says to Peter, you know, the other disciples said, well, some say John the Baptist, Others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. This is Matthew 16, verse 15. But what about you, he asked Peter. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Wow, Peter, wow. The Holy Spirit has revealed this to you. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. All right, so that's Peter at his best. That's what he was capable of. That's the extent of his discernment and spiritual love and commitment. Oh, but what happens? Take a look at Matthew 26. All right, and so you understand this. In our humanity, we're subject to fall. Yes, God can use you, but yet we're subject to falling. Matthew 26, verse 31. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you in a Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. There it is, the humanity in our humanity, the arrogance of our oh, I will, I could never, I would never. Not recognizing that without Jesus Christ, without the Christ in our lives, without the Spirit emboldening us 
and lifting us up that we're all pebbles. We're all pebbles. We're all incapable of really standing up for Christ. It's only when we, we give our hearts to Christ uh, and, and, and he, he takes control of our life that we see the difference. Now, uh, here, Peter becomes a shepherd. Before this point of time, he's a fisherman, but no longer a fisherman. Now he is becoming a shepherd, but he's not the shepherd. He is an under-shepherd, uh, but he is not a hireling. And I want you to understand the difference in that. And if you would turn, please, to John chapter 10, this is important. We don't want to be hirelings, we want to be shepherds. And what's the difference? It's important that you understand this. John chapter 10, uh, verse 12. I will start with 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons his sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He's not a hireling. Jesus didn't call us to be hirelings. Jesus called us to be shepherds who love the sheep, who don't abandon the sheep, who are there for the sheep in good times and in bad times. And so this is, be, this is all about love. Jesus never abandons the flock. Even when the flock abandons Jesus, Jesus stays there and remains strong. Uh, and so as we read this story, we are relieved now, really, that, that Peter does not say that he loves Jesus more than the other disciples. I mean, really, thank, thank the Lord he doesn't say that anymore. Obviously, that, that's been driven out of him. He's humbled, uh, and he will not lie to Jesus. And Peter recognizes his fall. Uh, he, he recognizes it all. Uh, and so this becomes a very important lesson to us. Uh, and, and what Jesus is saying is, take very good care of my people. Don't abandon my people. Don't treat them falsely. Treat them with love. Surround them with love uh, and, be, and be with them. And only through the Holy Spirit will you be able to serve me the way you want. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Do you really love me? Because if you really love me, and you will feed my sheep. You will feed my sheep. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the words that you've given to us today. Lord, I ask you that this lesson be emboldened in our heart as we reflect on what it means to love you, Father. And we want to love you with the greatest amount of love that we can, recognizing that we're only humans. Lord, I thank you that you've given us Christ. I thank you for his love. I thank you for your love, Lord. I ask you now to protect our people and be with them this week, wherever they are, and bring them back next, next week to continue the study of your word. We put this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.